mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up, Americans are eager to go all out this Christmas, even if it means they have to go into debt to do it. It's an attitude that could lead to a very unhappy new year. Also this morning, does the tragedy in Houston this past weekend sound similar to Cincinnati's deadly 1979 Who concert? How can such a catastrophe still happen with today's security? In our ongoing Keeping the Faith series, Christmas music and Black Friday deals are already in stores. The Advent season is still weeks away. No wonder it's so easy for the true message of the season to get lost. And before you deck the halls, it's the perfect time to take care of those DIY projects around the house ahead of the winter season. We have some advice. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, November 10th, 2021. The new college football playoff rankings were announced last night, and Ohio State is now in. The top four are Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, and Ohio State. Cincinnati uh, remains on the outside looking in at number five, and then it's uh, Michigan and Michigan State, which was really interesting. There was a lot of discussion about that. I was watching the reveal last night in between the basketball games on ESPN, and uh, there was a lot of discussion about whether Michigan should be ranked ahead of Michigan State because just a couple of weeks ago, the Spartans beat the Wolverines, and uh, they're ranked ahead uh, of them. So, uh, obviously it doesn't really matter a whole lot yet because we still have what three weeks to go until the end of the regular season. Then we have the conference championship game. So there's a lot that can still happen that can shake up those rankings. But I think in these second playoff rankings, you get a really good sense of what the playoff committee is thinking and what teams have to do. I think you have a roadmap for what teams have to do. For example, Michigan State went from number three all the way down to number seven after losing to Purdue. Ohio State has Purdue this week. So basically, that's the committee telling the Buckeyes, you lose to Purdue and there's no way you're getting in. I mean, there's just no way. Um, And it's also telling Cincinnati, your path to get into the playoff, be the first group of five you know, non-Power 5 conference team to make the uh, college football playoff, uh, is uh, your hopes are very slim. Because it seems like, assuming that the Buckeyes and the Ducks both win out, uh, they would be in. I mean, they're they're in now. You continue to win. And uh, it's hard to imagine that uh, that someone would jump them into one of those spots. Uh Georgia and Alabama would most likely play in the SEC title game. And if Georgia were to beat Alabama, would Alabama fall out and that would be Cincinnati's in? Hmm. That would be very interesting. If Alabama beats Georgia, then Georgia's not going to fall out from number one, are they? Even if they lose the SEC championship game? To make room for Cincinnati, I can't imagine that a team that's been number one all season long would fall completely out of the playoffs if they lose in the SEC championship game just so Cincinnati can get in. Uh, It it just doesn't seem it it just seems like the only path for the Bearcats is for uh, Alabama to get a second loss or Ohio State or Oregon. Um, I guess that would also put the uh, 
Bearcats in. And Ohio State probably has a pretty good chance of raising their stock. Because think about it. Uh, They've got Purdue, which uh, is into the uh, rankings, the playoff rankings. I think they're like 16th now after knocking off uh, Michigan State. Uh, Then they have Michigan State, and then they have Michigan, and then the conference championship game. If they can win out, those are are some big games uh, that will solidify there they they could have a chance to to move up past Oregon and maybe even into the number 2 spot who knows but uh, it would be it's going to be very interesting to see over these last 3 4 weeks of the season uh, how those college football rankings change but worth pointing out because number 1 the buckeyes are in now at number 4 and the bearcats of cincinnati still on the outside looking in and even though they're undefeated, I, I I think they're getting hosed. But you know, who am I to uh, who am I to say? Guess we'll see how it all shakes out. A lot of football still to be played. Uh, the other big story, follow up to what we were mentioning uh, yesterday. Governor Gavin Newsom, the state of California, came out of hibernation yesterday, uh, appearing in public for the first time since October 27th. We were talking about uh, yesterday this uh, big swirl of speculation over why he had abruptly canceled his planned trip to the U.N. Climate Summit in Scotland and then suddenly vanished from public view. There was a lot of speculation that uh, he was having family issues or maybe he was ill. Nobody really knew. He hadn't said anything. None of his people had said anything. Yesterday, he explained why he said his actions came after what he called an intervention by his four kids (laughs) who uh, range in age from five to twelve who couldn't believe that he was going to miss Halloween because he was going to be in Scotland. And uh, so that was the intervention. He decided to cancel his trip and stay home for his kids. He said, I woke up that next morning with something that's probably familiar to a lot of parents that not in your stomach that I had no choice. I had to cancel that trip. He said he went trick-or-treating with his family instead, went to his kids' soccer tournament over Halloween weekend. He also took his children to work last week at the state capitol. He said he had spent the last week at work saying it is probably the most productive week I've had since I've been governor. So, nothing to see here. Moving on. I don't know. So, he's he made a public appearance. He explained himself. Will that be enough to satisfy? I think there might be still some rumors flying out there about uh, his uh, marital situation. Not that I want to contribute to the rumors. I just thought it was interesting. We brought it up yesterday because it's very odd for, of all people, Gavin Newsom to disappear from public view. Usually, you can't tear him away from a television camera or a radio microphone. He is <laughs> he is always out there um, in the public eye, but not so much over the past week or so. But he's back. Speaking of politics, guess who could be the next celebrity to make a foray into the political world. Celebrity doctor Dr. Mehmet Oz reportedly is readying for a run for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. This is according to the Washington Free Beacon, which reported yesterday that the 61-year-old has begun hiring staff and reaching out to potential allies for a run for the Senate nomination uh, for the Republican Party uh, in the state of Pennsylvania. 
Uh, Mehmet Oz was actually, Dr. Oz was born in Ohio. Did you know that? He was born in Ohio, raised in Delaware, lives in New Jersey, and he is running, or he apparently is considering running for Senate in Pennsylvania. What? Born in Ohio, raised in Delaware, lives in New Jersey, but he wants to represent Pennsylvania. (laughs) Maybe he's not familiar with the way this works. (laughs) His uh, main connection to Pennsylvania appears to be uh, getting his medical and business degrees at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, And that's about the only tie uh, that he has to the uh, Keystone State. However... A spokesperson told the Free Beacon, since last year, Dr. Oz has lived and voted in Pennsylvania, where he attended school and has deep family ties. Okay. Dr. Oz has received encouragement to run for Senate, but is currently focused on his television show, has no announcement at this time, the spokesperson said. Uh, The uh, report said uh, Dr. Oz has a non-permanent voter registration in Pennsylvania connected to an address that appears to belong to his mother-in-law. That is an issue that could come up if he does uh, run. Uh, one of the other issues is his uh, penchant for promoting questionable miracle cures on his uh, television show. So that will certainly uh, be brought up. But we'll see if Dr. Oz runs for office. Dr. Oz has been a uh, guest on this program before. We've had uh, we've spoken with Dr. Oz before. Uh, seems to be a nice enough guy. For that matter, we've spoken with uh, Gavin Newsom before on this program, and and he seems to be a, uh, a decent guy too. Just personally, I that's the only thing that I know of either of them is that we've spoken with them on the uh, program once or twice. But uh, anyway, make of that what you will. Yesterday, AAA came out with their Thanksgiving travel forecast. Fifty three million Americans, they say, are going to be traveling for the holiday. That is 13% more than last year. And I thought that was interesting. Uh, I would have expected a bigger bump in Thanksgiving travel, considering how few people traveled last year. So how little we were traveling at all last year. But they say it's a 13% increase year over year. The travel volume forecasted to be just below 5%. Uh, Total travel volume forecasted to be just below 5% of what it was in 2019. Uh, So 5% increase 2019. Interesting. Uh, Air travel expected to increase by 80% compared to last year. Uh, 9% below 2019 levels. Uh, 80% jump. Now, that's more like what you expect 2020 to 2021 in terms of holiday travel. 80% increase in air travel. Uh, The busiest time uh, to travel, uh, obviously, Wednesday, November 24th, as commuters leave work early and mix with holiday travelers. So avoid travel on Wednesday, November 24th, if you can. Um. If you want to avoid that traffic, AAA says the best time to hit the road after 9 p.m. on November 24th. And they say start home from your Thanksgiving trip before 11 a.m. on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> but if you're going to come home before 11 a.m. Thanksgiving Day, why even bother? <laughs> you know, um, Black Friday, uh, leave before 11 a.m., or leave early in the morning, Saturday or Sunday, the 27th or 28th. Those would be the uh, easiest times to travel. So, and by the way, speaking of Thanksgiving, 
According to the Wall Street Journal, your table might be pretty bare this year. Thanks to labor shortages and shipping problems that have led to store shelves being empty. They say, according to data from market research firm IRI, supplies of food and household items are 11% lower than normal. Just about where they were back in March of 2020 when supplies were down 13% and everyone was hoarding toilet paper. You remember that? Um, The good news for Thanksgiving, aluminum foil supplies are low but up from last year. The same goes for boxed stuffing. So so if you have nothing else, you'll have aluminum foil and stuffing. (laughs) You can count on that. Uh, The bad news is good luck finding everything else. Turkeys are very low in stock. So if you see a turkey, grab it. Don't wait. I think uh, my wife already got our turkey for uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, Got it a couple of weeks ago. Popped it in the freezer. We are all set. If you have not gotten your turkey, though, you could be in trouble. Um, Also, cranberry sauce in uh, low supply and refrigerated pies. Um, So those are the... uh, The New York Times recently reported this might be the most expensive Turkey Day in history, thanks to a combination of inflation and supply chain issues. So, happy Thanksgiving! There you go, some of the most uh, interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, partly to mostly sunny today with a high of 62, partly cloudy tonight, a low of 50. The Martin Luther King Jr. Parkway overpass in Findlay will be reopening today. The overpass has been closed since June for a project that raised two intersections and a portion of the roadway so they no longer flood. The city engineer says raising the intersections ensures that when we get the next really bad flood, they won't get covered with water and emergency vehicles will still be able to utilize the roadway. Get more on the project on our website. Findlay Mayor Christina Mern issued a proclamation declaring Deb Wickerham Day in Findlay. The mayor's inviting everyone to join with her in thanking Deb for her outstanding commitment to our veterans. Deb started Flag City Honor Flight in 2010. Veterans have always been very important to me. I had a long line of family veterans, including uh, one cousin on the wall. And I just, veterans have always just been very important to me. Deb says Flag City Honor Flight has taken more than 1,200 veterans to Washington, D.C. to visit the war memorials. Learn more about Deb and Flag City Honor Flight on our website. School districts could set their own training requirements for armed employees under Republican legislation arising from a court battle over one district's reaction to a school shooting. The bill was introduced in response to a debate over the amount of training needed by armed employees at a southwestern Ohio school where two students were shot and wounded by another student in 2014. The bill's sponsor, Representative Thomas Hall, is a Republican from Madison Township where that shooting happened. The Ohio Supreme Court ruled in June that school districts must provide police-level training to armed employees, which involves hundreds of hours. Daniel Barnett, ONN News. Beginning on July 1st, it'll be legal to set off fireworks in Ohio on certain days. The bill signed by Governor DeWine allows Ohioans to set off fireworks on select holidays. The law limits days for setting off fireworks to several holidays, including New Year's Day, Memorial Day weekend, and days on and around the 4th of July. The law also removes a long-ignored legal loophole that allowed people to buy fireworks but not set them off in the state. The law also gives local governments the power to control or ban fireworks. 
Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, it's not surprising after last year's muted season that Americans are ready to go all out this holiday to make up for lost time. But a new survey commissioned by CreditCards.com finds that 41% of us are willing to put ourselves into debt or further into debt in order to do so. Ted Rossman, Senior Industry Analyst for CreditCards.com, is with us once again. And Ted, that seems rather alarming because I'm thinking this may not really be the time to throw caution to the wind, is it? It is something that I'm worried about because... In general, we've actually made a lot of progress paying down our credit card debt over the past couple of years. Total credit card debt is 13% lower now than it was at the end of 2019, according to the New York Fed. And even though it's ticked up a little bit each of the past two quarters, it's still significant progress. And a lot of people have used their stimulus to pay down debt. They've taken advantage of the fact that they were spending less and really just putting some hard work into paying off this debt. The thing I worry about is that it may be headed right back up. And we've seen it before in other recessions and their aftermath. Things are getting much more expensive nowadays. I think the rise in inflation is really significant. The supply chain disruptions that we're seeing, of course, are closely related. You know, I always try to be careful how I say this because we want you to have a great holiday season. Sure. And I don't want to say, you know, you, you can't spend any money, you can't do anything. But we do want to be mindful that Credit card debt's expensive. The average interest rate's about 16%. And I think many people may be understating how much they're likely to spend this holiday season. Yeah, and just to underscore the point that you were making, obviously this is good for retailers, this is good for the economy, which depends on consumer spending, but you don't want to make it an unhappy new year uh, for consumers themselves. That's right. And I know that you know maybe it's a little bit hokey to say, but, you know, these things exist for a reason, right? Like, you know, it's your presence, not the present, or it's the thought that counts. I mean, I I would urge people to think about, do we need to spend on everybody? You know, maybe we can skinny down our guest list this year. Your friends and family might actually be very receptive to this. They don't want you to be in debt either. Uh, They don't want to go into debt themselves. So, you know, I think there are some creative things we can do, buying used, giving homemade things, Maybe giving the gift of time, like if you can watch your family member's kids so that they can have a date night with their spouse or, you know, just being creative. Maybe it's something that you bake if you're talented in the kitchen or, you know, whatever it is. Um, Or if you are buying things from retailers, just make sure you get the best prices possible. I think starting early helps. It also wards off some of those supply chain challenges. You don't want to overspend and then regret it come January. Yeah. Uh, You know, you mentioned the fact that uh, for many folks, this is a question of not wanting to go, you know, two steps back when we've taken two steps forward uh, during the course of the pandemic and paid down debt. We don't want to just go uh, and and put us right back into that situation. But what I thought was even more alarming uh, in those numbers uh, was the number that I saw that 60% of those those who already have credit card debt are willing to take on even more compared with 30% who do not have uh, credit card debt currently. So uh, for a lot of those folks, you could be talking about exacerbating a problem for those who really haven't made a whole lot of progress during the course of the past year. Yeah. You know, there's, there's kind of a couple ways to look at it. I mean, one is that, yeah, that is troubling. Um, the other is maybe they're being realistic, you know, because to be honest, 
54% of credit card holders have debt from month to month, according to the American Bankers Association. Mm -hmm. So in a way, really, anything you buy is adding to that. Um, you know, again, we're not saying go without everything this holiday season. But, you know, I do think that some people maybe are being a little more realistic. I'd love to see people get a 0% balance transfer card to pay that down without interest. You can avoid interest for up to 21 months with those cards. You know, maybe you could take on a side hustle or sell stuff you don't need yeah. or cut your expenses. Paying off credit card debt should be a priority. And, you know, no shame. A lot of people have it. And, you know, there's often legitimate reasons. Maybe it was a big medical bill, a car repair, home repair. You know, maybe there's just lots of expenses that you're trying to meet month mm -hmm. after month. And I, I totally get it. I just think that we want to reverse that trend because with an average interest rate of 16%, it's easy to get in. It's hard to get out. We just don't want the holidays to add to this. Yeah, and and that's why I think this uh, survey is so uh, important because it's hard to uh, be mindful of something if we're not aware of it in the first place. Uh, as you point out, though, uh, what we say we're going to do with respect to staying within budget and what we actually do are sometimes very different things. And I think a prime example of that uh, was in the question you asked about travel, where 16% actually say they expect to spend less on travel than they did last year. And that doesn't seem to line up with any of the projections that I've heard. No, it doesn't. And, you know, I don't know if people are maybe just not being honest about this or, or not, you know, acknowledging the situation because we saw a similar result with entertaining. And that's another one where I think there'll be a lot more of that this year. And, and it's a good thing. We're, we're thankful for the progress on the COVID front. Right. And, you know, we want you to travel and see your family and friends and host parties and all that. But I think that we also want to be mindful of the cost and you just want to make a plan. That's the big thing is the earlier you plan, the more equipped you are to pay for this stuff. Just don't be caught by surprise that gifts are more expensive. They're harder to find. Groceries are more expensive. Gas is more expensive. I think that there are some hidden costs here that we just need to be really honest with ourselves about this is what we want to do this holiday season. And this is how we want to frame it. This is how we're going to be able to afford it. Yeah. So again, uh, as we go through all of this data, when you parse it out, um, the the direction that it seems we're going here may be rather concerning. So that's what I was going to ask. What advice would you have for those who don't want to sacrifice this season because we've done enough of that last year, but also don't want to put themselves in a hole that it'll take another year to climb out from? For me, this really comes down to priorities. And I think a lot of times people look at a budget as a negative, and it's something that's telling them no, and it's something that's depriving them. I think we need to frame it more in the positive of like, this is what we have to work with. This is the available money. We have other financial goals too. We don't want to take on all this big credit card debt and that's a, going to hold us back from a good point other as well. things. So, yeah. so I think just, you know, coming up with that plan of what do you value the most? You know, are there ways you can be creative to find the best deals? Maybe not buy everything new. Maybe mm -hmm. you can get things at a discount on a site like eBay or Facebook Marketplace, or maybe you can make something or you know, do things that are fun and enjoyable and celebrate the holiday, but don't rack up a huge bill in the process. Yeah. Again, Ted Rossman is Senior Industry Analyst for CreditCards.com, talking about this uh, holiday spending survey that uh, you recently uh, put out, and that is up on your website, right, if folks want to uh, look at it, the uh, results and see how they line up with their own projections. 
It is. Yeah, we have more information on this study, holiday shopping tips, uh, debt management. You know, I mentioned those 0% balance transfer cards. That's a great way to save money if you already have credit card debt. So we can help you find the best fit for you. Have you been in any of the stores recently? You've already heard the Christmas music. The Black Friday deals have already been rolled out earlier than ever this year. Retailers are looking to make uh, make up for lost time with uh, all of the lost revenue from last year's muted holidays. So they're getting out early. They're encouraging people to shop. The prediction is that uh, people are going to be uh, spending more than ever. Again, looking to make up for lost time. We're getting really excited about the holidays. Even on this program, we're guilty of it as well. We were talking uh, just yesterday with the folks of the Salvation Army about the uh, launch of the Red Kettle campaign and the angel trees going up and all of that. We're just, we're into the Christmas mood already. And once again this year, it's all about retail and gift giving and all of that. It is certainly no wonder. I mean, the Advent season is still, what, three Sundays away <laughs> from, from the uh, launch of, of Advent. And already uh, we're getting into the Christmas hustle and bustle. It is certainly a reminder of how easy it is for the true message of the season to get lost in this big commercial shuffle of the materialistic uh, side of the holiday. And so that is the topic of today's Keeping the Faith series, here is correspondent John Clemens. Pediatric physician Scott James serves as an elder at the church at Brook Hills in Birmingham, Alabama. He is also the author of a series of family worship books, including The Risen One and The Expected One. The Expected One is a family Advent devotional that helps walk families weeks leading up to Christmas and just to prepare their hearts for the celebration that's going to happen on Christmas Day. So it's rooted in the Old Testament, and it points forward to who Christ was promised to be. Uh, The Risen One is a follow-up book to that, and it's a book that's going to walk a family over a little bit longer period of time towards Easter. Right after Christmas ends, then the family can pick up and help prepare the way to the cross. And so it connects the manger to the cross. The expected one by Scott James was written to remind all of us of the love, hope, joy, and the peace found only in our Savior, Jesus Christ. The expected one is a roadmap that is intended to help people have a well-rounded view of who that child in the manger is. I think most families are very familiar with a few of the key Christmas passages from the Old Testament that point forward to that baby in the manger. But the Old Testament also gives pretty multifaceted promises about who the person and work of Jesus Christ are going to be. It describes who he is, what type of person he is, what he would do, uh, even his death and his resurrection. All of that was promised beforehand. Parents need all the help they can to get the kids away from all the trappings of the season and to focus on the true meaning. This is going to be a book that parents can highlight some of those Bible passages and help their children see that every single aspect of Jesus' life and ministry was promised ahead of time uh, through the Old Testament. As Christians celebrate the changing of the seasons, the story of Christ continues. After Christmas morning wraps up and all the papers strewn about, the thought hit my mind that I, I want to continue this story. If, if so much of the expected one 
is about helping kids understand that the manger fits into a bigger redemptive plan. It only made sense to continue the family devotionals after Christmas and help trace the thread all the way from the manger to the cross and beyond. The Risen One is a weekly devotional that's going to help families walk through the weeks and months leading up to Easter. Both worship books are designed to help families spend time together during these important seasons. Christian families have a desire to study God's Word with their kids and to raise their kids to uh, consider these things. Time uh, is a very short supply. And so when when you've got kids and and things are busy, particularly around the holiday season, it is really difficult to stop and spend time in the Word. So my hope is that even with things being as busy around the holidays as they are, the, the, the expected one and the risen one could be resources that help families Scott James remind us that many of the joys for families is to watch the children mature through the Christian seasons. And you can kind of tell one year after another, they're growing in wisdom. They're growing in their understanding of God's plan of salvation. And it's really fun to kind of watch the light bulb go on and see, see them realize something that they didn't quite grasp the year before, but they're getting it now this year. So I love seeing that longevity of discipleship. With all the busy times of the different seasons, It's important to keep the Word of God central in your home. The idea behind these is it's going to be a way to keep the Word of God central in the home. Whatever comes out of these books, if it helps any families whatsoever, simply stop, gather together, spend some time in the Word of God, making that the center point of their home, that's going to be a success. That's going to be something that I'm I'm really hoping happens uh, with these books. I, I want them amidst all the trappings of the holidays that go around, whether it's Christmas or Easter. It's so easy to get lost in them and to kind of lose sight of the focus. There is a need to understand all the competition when trying to be a parent to their child. Generations that are coming up today are more inundated with media at every turn. So kids today have a barrage of voices that are coming at them. It's easy for them to get lost in that and kind of caught up in that and and lose sight of what's most important, which would be the voice of God. Uh, Anytime a family can have a calming influence, uh, that's going to be something that I can help encourage them to fight the onslaught that this world has for them. Here's how to get the latest information about two of the family worship books by Scott James. Each of them also has their own book website, theexpectedonebook.com and therisenonebook.com. So I'd encourage families to check those two websites out. This is John Clemens reporting. the stories and the images from the Astroworld Music Festival in Houston where eight concert goers tragically lost their lives in a crush of people trying to get closer to the stage may have sounded heartbreakingly familiar to anyone who is old enough to remember a similar catastrophe at a Who concert in Cincinnati in December of 1979. And it leaves one wondering how, in an age where there is so much focus on safety and security wherever there are large gatherings of people, how could this still happen? Uh, Mark Herrera is Director of Safety and Security for the International Association of Venue Managers. This is your nightmare scenario, isn't it? It is. First of all, I just want to say thank you for having me. Uh, prayers, obviously, first of all, before we begin, is condolences to the families and friends, all those that have been affected. And I, I can't say it's far too common. Uh, you know, uh, these situations don't happen on a regular basis, but when they do, they have such a 
such an uh, such an impact, such a catastrophic impact on mm-hmm. communities, families, facilities, etc. And it just becomes a challenge for everyone from Whoa. the artist, the show, the venue, the personnel. It just kind of has a ripple and, effect on everyone. And especially right now, because uh, the live uh, entertainment industry obviously uh, has been so hard hit over the course of the past year that the last thing that you would need right now, like you would need at any time, but especially right now, uh, given so many other uh, issues for the live entertainment industry. And obviously, there's a lot that has to be sorted out in this tragedy. So I, I certainly don't want to back you into a corner by asking you what you believe caused it. But that being said, are there things that you saw here that were obvious problems that immediately stand out? Listen, there's uh, there's a lot of things there that we could sit here and look at that could have uh, influenced and or agitated the crowd behavior. Crowd density was obviously high. There's no question. The crowd behavior uh, is what created the search. You have to ask yourself. What created that surge, right? Was it influenced or was it uh, uh, something that agitated the crowd? And when you start taking a look at the history of, of artists and performances that are taking place worldwide, which I can tell you right now that the venues and these venue exec- executives really did a good job of really looking back to see what type of shows or events are coming into their facilities so that they can best prepare for them. Uh, you know, but unfortunately... Um, you can you can place all of these risk mitigation me- measures in place, but when you have fifty thousand people mm-hmm. in a general admission or general area, and that crowd decides to shift for whatever reason, right? There's a lot of force there. We referenced the the Who concert in Cincinnati, which is the very first thing that I thought of when I heard this story. It brought flashbacks, and and even more recently. Uh, than that, in Ohio, people may remember New Kids on the Block uh, did a concert at the Ohio State Fair in 1989 where they had a similar situation where people were pushing closer to the stage. And I don't think there was anyone killed there, but it was almost a tragedy. could very easily have turned into a tragedy there as well. One of the causes cited in both of those uh, scenarios was that general admission or festival seating. And it appears, as you were saying, that maybe that was a contributing cause here as well. So I'm wondering, why is that even still allowed? Uh, Well, and and again, there's a lot of things that we can sit back and look and and try to change and and adjust based on previous uh, situations and incidents. And when you see the behavior, I'll I'll tell you right now, it, it precipitated and began at some point in time where if people are trained to spot the crowd starting to shift or behavior that starts to alter its course, mm-hmm. that's, that's where they need to either stop the show or interject to try to diffuse or remove or control that, that part of this before it escalates. Yeah. Any further. So uh, I think the key is identifying behavioral patterns. That's the key. You, you, along those same lines, uh, one of the other things that I thought was very disturbing, and uh, again, to what extent this may have led to the tragedy, uh, you know, we'll find out, it'll come out in the investigation, but certainly alarming nonetheless, are those images of people pulling down fencing around the perimeter of the venue and storming through security gates to get in and the security personnel just helpless to stop it. And I I thought to myself, that kind of exposes maybe a dirty little secret in the security industry that whether we're talking about a concert or the state fair or even at the airport, there are a lot more people in the crowd than there are security personnel to control the crowd. So you really depend on people 
acting responsibly to maintain order to a certain extent because there's not a whole lot you could do about the uh, ratio of individuals there. Yeah, you said you said it best. Listen, uh, like for instance, NFPA highly recommends that you have one trained crowd manager for every 250 people that are in attendance, right? Well, you never meet that span of control of those demographics, but regardless of, even if you met it, regardless of how many people you have, if you have a 50,000 crowd surge yeah. or people pulling down gates or fencing, uh, with, with the limited staff that's available, it's hard to control that type of behavior. But it's incumbent about those that are, that are attending these events that they comply and abide by, you know, the, the facilities, rules, policies, and procedures to protect themselves. Just, let's just go back to the people that those guests that were pulling down the fence, the fencing. It becomes kind of a pack mentality. That is, if I, if I see a lot of other folks doing something to create that high level energy, crowd psychology and crowd behavior says they're going right. to join in. Right. Right. Not knowing yeah. what the, the severity or the consequences are of their actions, they're going to join in. Now, how do you manage and how do you control that? That is that is something that needs to be uh, trained, reinforced with all the teams and those folks that are a part of not only the show, not only the venue and the facility, but your emergency responders and also including your show. Yeah. Right. The artist should have folks in place that can assist in helping managing the crowds as well. And I tell you what, they have the best view in the house. They have the ability to either uh, influence or agitate the situation, or they could ultimately have a common effect if they're properly trained on how to do that. Certainly a good point. Ultimately, uh, there will be an investigation. There are already lawsuits. A lot will come out. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that what we will find in this instance, as with previous instances uh, in Cincinnati, at the Ohio State Fair, any of these other instances where things like this happen, that it's not just one thing. It's a combination of multiple factors that uh, cause end up causing uh, a, a tragedy such as this. And I'm sure that there will will be changes that will be made how many of those are likely to be things that people will notice when they go to a concert or when they go to an event in the future or will, will this be more likely stuff that happens behind the scenes that will ultimately make these events safer i think you're going to see a little bit of both i think you're going to see a lot of work behind the scenes but there's going to be more of an expectation from those that are attending the events to have certain security measures in place however it's incumbent that they know that at the end of the day, you are responsible for your safety, right? You yeah. can't solely rely on those entities and those facilities to provide that, that safety, although there's an expectation. But you're going to have a lot, of, a lot of things that are going to come out of this in regards to how to manage that crowd behavior a lot better. You know, how, mm -hmm. to, how, to, how to control the crowd density, yeah. right, to where it's not to the point where people are elbow to elbow and they don't have a means to evacuate uh, or even just egress in the event of an emergency or a situation. Yeah. That's going to be monitored more than ever. So they're going to start seeing that in advance, and it's going to be messaged more in advance now. But I, I also say we assume the risk when we attend these events. We need to be cognizant and aware. We are ultimately responsible for our safety as well at these facilities. Lessons that all of us can learn from this tragedy. Again, Mark Herrera is Director of Safety and Security for the International Association of Venue Managers. Mark, thanks very much for your insight. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. 
we have all kinds of uh, unusual high-speed chases uh, in the uh, broken news from time to time. And this one is particularly unique. Someone stole a street sweeper in Richmond, Indiana, and led police on a slow-speed chase <laughs> this past Sunday in a street sweeper. What did they think they were going to do with this? <laughs> why, why would you steal a street sweeper? Police say they got a call early Sunday morning about someone driving the uh, street sweeper recklessly on city streets. They uh, soon identified the driver as 54-year-old Sammy Allen, who was reportedly swerving at people like he was trying to hit them and driving through people's yards. It was not a street sweeper. It was a yard sweeper. Uh, It was reported that Mr. Allen also struck other vehicles, though officers did not locate any damaged cars. They later found the street sweeper was stolen from a construction company doing work on the uh, on a local uh, local highway uh, there in Richmond. Uh, Police say that Mr. Allen led officers on a pursuit of 10 to 15 miles an hour for an hour. You know, that's the other thing. I mean, he's only going 10, 15 miles an hour. How difficult is it to stop? I, I know it's a big piece of equipment, but uh, <laughs> you would think at one point they could have stopped this, but it went on for an hour uh, through the city. The pursuit ended when Mr. Allen went into the river on the street sweeper near Veterans Memorial Park. He was taken to a local hospital for injuries um that are non-life-threatening police say they will request uh multiple charges uh be filed including vehicle theft resisting arrest and of course reckless driving (laughs) so so there is that uh let's see speaking of uh, unusual criminal activity this seems like a very strange place to rob especially considering the elaborate nature of the burglary. Two men have been charged with breaking into six school buildings in the uh, Canyons School District. Um, I believe this is in Arizona, Canyon School District. Uh, Since April, police believe that they got into many of the schools by scaling the buildings and entering through the roof. And that just seems like a very elaborate plan just to break into a school. Uh, apparently they got under the roof and then rappelled down inside. They are accused of stealing a number of Chromebooks, megaphones, uh, teachers' nameplates, and at least on at least one occasion, a chair decorated as a unicorn. <laughs> uh, okay, like I said, it seems like a very elaborate uh, theft. Just to get a chair decorated as a unicorn. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. But they have been arrested and they have been charged. So the crime spree is over. Thank goodness. A Pennsylvania man is accused of stabbing his teenage son in the back with a kitchen knife. Richard Kane is uh, safely ensconced in the Westmoreland County Jail following the incident on Sunday. State police say it all began with an argument over the son not wanting to do his chores. (laughs) As parents, we've all experienced that at one time or another. So uh, Richard Kane did what any reasonable person would do and their kids won't do their chores. He grabbed a knife and stabbed his son in the back. Uh, Troopers say the uh, situation 
uh, actually escalated when the 16-year-old victim threw food at his father, and that's when Mr. Kane uh, grabbed the knife. Uh, he is expected to survive uh, just minor wounds, actually. So, <laughs> so good to good to hear that. But still, that's going to an extreme to get you. Betty's does his chores from now on, though. That's right. He's going to do his chores from now on. Um, I'm not sure where this story comes from. It was on social media. There's no crying in baseball, and there's no crying in surgery either. Uh, one woman recently discovered this. She was uh, in for a procedure to have a mole removed, and apparently during the operation, she cried at one point. She was just given a local, and uh, she was still in pain. She cried a little bit. Uh, and then once she received her bill, it showed an $11 charge for brief emotion <laughs> during the procedure. They charged her for good. There's no crying in surgery. Um, let's see. Uh, the, apparently it's, uh, it showed a billing code. This is what interesting. There's a, a billing specific billing code for emotional outbursts, uh, CPT code, nine, six, one, two, seven, which according to, uh, an, a, an article in a, uh, uh, health journal, the code stands for how to increase revenue with new behavioral or emotional assessment. It is a code that may be used to report brief behavioral or emotional assessments for reimbursement and may be billed four times for each patient per visit. So be aware of this. If you go to the doctor's office, you can actually, they can bill you now for an emotional outburst up to four times per visit. So not only will clinicians have more efficient practices by using these screenings, they can also use them to build revenue. Says. Wow. So seriously, there's no crying in surgery. It's a, or any medical procedure. You can be billed for that now, I guess. Crazy. And finally, in the broken news this morning, while many cities in the U.S. and elsewhere have tried to incentivize people to get the COVID-19 vaccine, uh, in Austria, they may have figured out the best incentive of all. A brothel in Vienna is giving people 30 minutes with a working girl of their choosing, provided they get jabbed on site. <laughs> they're, they're holding a vaccine clinic at a local brothel. And if anyone gets the vaccine, you get 30 minutes <laughs> with the working girl of your choice. Uh, Christoph Lilacher, director of the uh, establishment, which is technically called a sauna club, says, quote, we are very popular. I'll bet they are. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. Uh, this update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. 
WFIN says thank you for listening. And remember, you can listen around the clock on computer, smartphone, or tablet. Start your day with Chris Oaks and good mornings. And stay with us all day long. You also get CBS Sports Radio plus all of our locally originated sports programming. Listen live whenever you like at 1330 WFIN, 95.5 FM, and at WFIN.com, where you can also grab our free mobile apps for iOS or Android. Your daily download this morning. The numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. The uh, folks at WalletHub have uh, put out a, a new list of the best sports cities in the U.S. Uh, and they rank this uh, across a number of uh, metrics, including the number of people in cities uh, that identify as avid sports fans, the cost of tickets to sporting events in these cities, um, the number of like bars and restaurants and other ancillary things. So they analyzed all of this, crunched the numbers, and they uh, came up with uh, lists for the best Sports cities in the U.S. and among the largest sports cities, the top five, Boston, number one, Los Angeles, New York, Pittsburgh, and Philadelphia in the top five large, uh, best large sports cities. In the midsize city category, uh, Buffalo was number one, Green Bay, number two, Salt Lake City, interestingly enough, Orlando and Glendale, Arizona round out the top five. And for small sports cities, the best of the best, Clemson, South Carolina, West Point, New York, Fayette, Mississippi, East Lansing, Michigan, and Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Interesting that Tuscaloosa uh, was number five. But the uh, best sports cities, according to uh, WalletHub, across all of their metrics. Columbus was not on the, the list, but East Lansing was. Kind of interesting. And along the same lines, this is perhaps a related story. A recent study from usbets.com ranks the NFL fan bases, specifically NFL fan bases, most likely to start a fight. <laughs> what city, what NFL city you think would be number one on that list? Philadelphia. Eagles fans, most likely to start a fight. <laughs> They also said Eagles fans were most likely to win a fight among the 32 fan bases after surveying fans and compiling data on weekly incidents in the stands. <laughs> Rounding out the top five for those most likely to start a fight. The Raiders at number two. No surprise there. The Steelers, number three. The Patriots and the Cowboys. So those are the top five uh, NFL fan bases most likely to start a fight. Seahawks fans, incidentally, were found to be the most likely to stop a fight. <laughs> Important stuff here that you need to know this morning. That's why we're here. Well, you know, we talk about decorating for the holidays this time of year before it gets too cold. My wife and I uh, did that uh, over this past weekend. Uh, and, you know, along those same lines, this is a great time 
to uh, do some of those uh, home improvement projects, some of those DIY projects you've been thinking about. It's not too cold yet, and it's certainly not too hot. Uh, you know, we're past the heat of the summer. Joining us this morning once again is home improvement expert Tom Kreitler, themoneypit.com, with uh, some of the uh, best ideas, weekend projects that you can tackle this time of year. Tom, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Hey, it's great to be with you again, Chris. So this, you actually say, is peak season for uh, home improvements. Yeah, fall and spring are the two big seasons for home improvements. You know, spring, we're refreshing coming out of the winter doldrums. Uh, but, but fall, as we go into the other side of that, we're trying to make sure our, our room, our interior especially, is in, is in good shape. So there's a lot of little products, projects that happen this time. And the manufacturers also time their releases around spring and fall. So I've got a few new products that have come out that I think are worthy of, uh, of discussion for this time of year. All right. So where do we start? Well, first up, uh, if you've ever tried to tackle a project that involves driving screws, now you could be hanging a shelf, maybe putting together some Ikea furniture, whatever, <laughs> and the drill bit or the bit or the screwdriver starts to slip and you strip the screw, it's a hassle because you can't go forwards, you can't go backwards, you're just stuck. Well, DAP has come out with a new product, which is called Tank Bond Liquid Grip. This stuff is magical. You add one drop of this to the screw head, and it gives you up to seven times more grip to stop your tool or your bit from slipping out and stripping the screw. Isn't that cool? That is. I mean, when that happens, it's super frustrating. And it usually happens on, you know, something that you really are, you, you can't, you got to do something with it, right? Right. So what do you end up doing? You break off the screw, try to stick another one next to it, or, you know, tap your screwdriver with a hammer. There's all kinds of things that people do. Exactly. Now there's just a solution. And, and that's one of those so things. And that's one of those things that can turn a really simple, uh, a simple project into a nightmare in a hurry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's six ninety eight a tube, and since we don't plan on stripping screws, I just went ahead and got a couple to put in my different toolbox. I have one for the home, and one that I take when I'm like, you know, going to mom's house to fix something up. Yeah, and this way I have it when I need it. You can find it at Lowe's stores nationwide. The other thing that we're doing this time of year, of course, all the leaves are falling off the trees. And uh, once they're gone, take a look at those trees. You may spot some dead branches. You might have some wooded areas you're trying to thin out. Maybe you just want to make up some of your own firewood. Uh, you used to need a chainsaw to do that was gas-powered. But now the chainsaws that are battery-powered, that are cordless, are just so incredibly powerful. It's not necessary. Uh, the latest one I've evaluated is the Green Machine 62-volt cordless. Now, this has a brushless motor and a four amp hour battery. And Chris, it gives you 45 minutes of cutting time. That's a lot of time. You know, I mean, I feel like I'm going to run out of energy before my saw does <laughs> with 45 minutes of slicing through trees. So uh, it's got an auto chain tensioning knob. So the chain, when it starts to slack, retightens itself. Uh, it's got an electronic chain kickback, kickback brake for safety. And it even has an automatic lubrication system. So you don't have to pump oil while you're doing it. It always has a consistent uh, oil flow. And most importantly, it doesn't have a pull cord because it's electric. You just pull the trigger and you're good to go. So you don't have to worry about, you know, 
did I leave gas in the chainsaw from the last time I used it? Did right. I have to dump it out when I'm done? Right. You know, well, did, it, did, it, did, it, did it gum up the works and won't start at all? Yeah, that's one of the, we have a uh, an electric chainsaw at our house, and that's the, the very reason why, because we don't use it that often, and I'm always worried about, you know, any gas-powered uh, device that we're not using very often getting all gummed up in between, and again, uh, turns something that is, should be really easy and quick into a day-long nightmare. Exactly, exactly. So this is a great tool. It's available exclusively at homedepot.com. So you can check out the Green Machine products there. Their website is Green Machine USA. They've got a lot of great uh, cordless tools. They've got string trimmers and blowers and hedge trimmers and and, a whole selection. Now that the temperature is dropping, the heating bills are going in the opposite direction. They're going up. And so if you're thinking about updating your heating equipment, LG has a new heating technology that can help. It's called LG Red, R-E-D, which stands for Reliable to Extreme Degrees. Now, it's built into LG's HVAC products, and it gives you really incredible energy efficiency and comfort, even in the coldest climates. And what's neat about this is it maintains its efficiency all the way down to five degrees. So most heating systems will lose efficiency the colder it gets. This stays with a consistent efficiency down to five degrees, and it can even heat homes comfortably down to minus 13. So a really interesting new technology from LG Red, from LG, when you're starting to buy uh, heating equipment now, you're going to see LG Red as the identifier of the technology. And I I think it's a, a really impressive line to consider. Some really great stuff there as we prepare for the nesting season. Uh, some great uh, fall home improvement tips and products, ideas. A lot of those would be good uh, for holiday gift giving, too, since we're starting to think about that. Yeah, I mean, what uh, getting, a, getting a, a green machine chainsaw on the tree would be okay with me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking, of, yeah, speaking, of, speaking about nesting, um, there's a new flooring product out that that I'm pretty excited about actually, because we don't see new categories of flooring very often. You know, I remember when laminate was a brand new category, it didn't exist. And then we had engineered vinyl plank, which never existed. Well, now there's a tech, there's a product called hybrid resilient flooring. It's out from lumber liquidators and it's called Duravana is the, is the brand name. And what's neat about this is it has all the benefits that you need in a single flooring product. It's scratch and dent resistant. Now, whenever I see those words, I think, huh, I bet. Let me see if I can figure this out, if it really is. So they sent me a case of this stuff, and I put some boards on my workbench, and I took my 16-ounce hammer and slammed it into it a few times to see if I could dent the stuff, and I couldn't. You know, I mean, the, it, wow. the hammer bounced off the surface, didn't didn't leave that little smile mark that you see mm-hmm. on wood, you know, when you bounce. Right. No, it just bounced right off. And then in terms of the scratch resistance, I got out a, uh, I have a Milwaukee palm sander, and I put on 120-grit paper, and tried to sand it, see if I could scratch through the surface. Couldn't do it. I was on that for about a minute, and it had no effect on it whatsoever. So I mm. thought that was pretty impressive. It's also completely waterproof, and the seams are waterproof too, so that if you spill uh, spill something in the kitchen, it's not going to go through the seams and damage yeah. the subfloor below or if you overflow the bathtub. And it's eco-friendly. So you'll find Duravana at LL Flooring's 420 stores across the country and at llflooring.com. And it retails for three ninety nine a square foot, so that's pretty. That's a pretty good price. That's pretty reasonable. For a yeah, super durable um, product. You're just not going to have to uh, replace. Yeah, if you've uh, ever done flooring, you know that's a uh, a really good deal. So uh, some great stuff there. Anything else? Well, if you've got questions about your projects as you move into fall, just want to remind everyone that they can call our nationally syndicated radio show and podcast. 
24-7 at 888-MONEYPIT. That's 888-666-3974. If we're not in the studio, we will call you back the next time we are. And you can also follow us at moneypit.com slash podcast. Uh, there's uh, several ways that you can listen to the show there. And uh, just choose the one that's best for you, moneypit.com. Home improvement expert Tom Kreitler from the Money Pit. Thanks very much. Thank you, Chris. Have a great day. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And of course, as always, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. You can check us out at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow, it's a day to salute veterans, and we'll do just that until tomorrow morning. That is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.